Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that this message helps further your walk with Christ. If you would like to know more about our church and other ministries, you may find us on the web at www.sodabaptistchurch.org. These passages in the key verses here, Matthew 11, Mark 10, and John chapter 7. Let's look at these three together. And I know it'll take you a second to kind of put your finger in there. Matthew chapter 11, Mark chapter 10, and John chapter 7. We're looking this morning, the title of the message is Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I was in here practicing a couple of weeks ago. There's a song, and I will sing it later this morning. Uh, and the title of that mess, or the title of that song, is "Come to Jesus." I only remember singing it two different occasions. Uh, the first occasion that I ever sang this song was a special was at Janet Nelson's funeral. It was just don't know why. It just seemed appropriate for the time and the message was perfect for the service that day and I sang it and it just it still weighed heavy on my heart and a couple of weeks later I sang it uh, to the church. But the message here is come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. And I want you to know the whole outline of the message this morning that I want to preach is exactly what this song says. I want you to know this song will give uh, five different verses. It's going to go from the time you're born until the time you die. just gives a short outline of what life is all about. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. But before we go, let's, let's look here at these verses. Let's look at Let's start with John chapter 6. John, cha- I mean John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse number 37. Let me give you a short introduction of where this verse is going. In Jerusalem, they have had a seven-day feast. It's, a, it's the Feast of the Tabernacles, and, and they have been going. There's a big festival going on, a big celebration in the city of Jerusalem. This is the very last day. If you'll notice in the first part of that verse, it says in the last day, that great day of the feast. This is the biggest day of this feast. The feast begins at the first of the week, and as people come, if you don't make the first of the week, you wanted to at least be there on that very last day of the week. Listen to what this scripture says. It says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried. Now he's in front of this crowd, and he says this in a very loud voice. He cried out saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Let me tell you what that is. That's an invitation. If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. Let me tell you what he was not saying. He was not saying if you're thirsty for water. He's talking about life. If you're thirsty for life, and what if I'm telling you if this life is leaving you dry, come and let Jesus give you a pure drink of living water. That second verse says, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. 
Now understand this, look in verse 39. But this he, this spake he of the Spirit which they believed on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Let me ask the question, has Jesus been glorified? Absolutely he has. That Holy Spirit, that living water he's talking about that can flow out of us, it can flow out of us today. But he says, come unto me if you're thirsty. An invitation. Look what it says in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 13. Jesus is teaching and, and some of the people are bringing their little children and they want to set their little children in Jesus' lap and they want Jesus to bless their children. And this is what it says. And they brought young children to Him that He should touch them. And His disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, when He saw the disciples telling people to leave your kids where they are, He was much displeased and He said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto Me and forbid them not. For of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as these little children, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. The scripture says here, Let those little children come unto me. What is that? An invitation. That's an invitation to come to Jesus. Matthew chapter 11. My goodness, how we need to hear this today in our society. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 said, Jesus says this unto them. He says, come unto me. Another invitation. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My goodness gracious. Jesus is offering an invitation to all of who in this world today are suffering from the burden of this life. He says, I can lighten your burden. I can give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. He said, listen, believe in me. Come on to me. I will give you rest. I want to make these points right quick before I sing this song because I want to make sure that you don't have to think about what I'm fixing to say in this song as I bring out these points. The first little short verse of this song says, Lost sinners without Christ. I want you to know every single one of us here in our sinners, and I'll go over those points in just a minute. But this song starts off as a person who is lost. The second little short verse is, Sins are forgiven through the blood of Jesus. This person or this song that I am singing this about comes to know the Lord as their personal Savior in verse 2. Verse 3 says, We are born again in Jesus. And Jesus gives us life. And what He is calling for us to do is live that life. For Jesus. And the fourth one, and this is where many of us are today, it explains to us that life is hard. Okay? Life is hard. I want you to know you don't want to dare go through this life without Jesus. You can come to Him. When life is hard, when you're facing situations, 
I can't imagine what that family of, 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 of the Morris family is going through. Their dad, a preacher of all people, a missionary of all people, gets killed in a plane crash, 42 or 43 years old. My goodness, I can't imagine what they're going through. But I want you to know, life is tough. And I want you to know you can depend on Jesus. Amen. Then it tells us, this next verse talks about how we have victory. Hey, hey, listen. I want you to know this week, I got to serve these these eight little old boys this week. I want you to know I had joy unspeakable and full of glory not all week. <laughs> Most of the week. Every now and then Sandra would go, well, where are all your boys? I'm like, I can't keep up with them all. But I want you to know there's days in this life, especially when you're living for Jesus, that your joy just overflows. Man, you don't know what to do but shout because God is so good. In the last verse, we die. Listen to the words of this song. Listen to the words.
I want you to know I love that song. I sing it, don't sing it very often, but I sure do love that song. Could you turn me down just a little bit up here? All right, this is what I want to do this morning. You'll see that I've got a lot of reference scriptures, but I want to take these points in this song and I want to elaborate on them just a little bit this morning. The first verse of that song, it talked about a lost and wounded sinner. In other words, it talked about a person who does not know Christ as their personal Savior. So I want to elaborate on that this morning, just a second. I want to let you know that the Bible, this is what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in Romans 3 and 10, For there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we, start this, when we start this song off, it is talking about a person. They can, be, they can be 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, or they can be 70, 80, 90 years old, but they are on this earth and they are found unrighteous in God's eyes because no one has paid their sin debt. Lost and weary Sinner is how that verse starts off. This morning, everyone is either in that state or have been in that state. The second verse goes like this. The second verse starts off and it says, Now your burden's lifted and carried far away and precious blood has washed away the stain. How in the world does that happen? Some of the scriptures that we have up there, you'll notice one of them in 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by traditions from your father, but... By the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That sin debt that we once owed has been paid, but it's been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how that sin debt was paid. Well, Brother Wayne, you're, you're saying that. Okay, I look at the cross. I've heard the story. I understand what you're saying. I understand that Jesus died for something that He did not do. Jesus died and suffered the, the punishment for someone that had done something wrong, but the Scripture bears out to us Jesus was born into this world, born in the flesh, but without sin. Jesus paid a debt He did not owe. So who, pay, who did He pay the debt for? He paid that debt for you. Amen. And He paid that debt for me. This person right here that is talking about, their sins, has been they have been washed away. How did that happen, Brother Wayne? In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It goes on to say, it says, and it's with the heart 
that we believe and are justified. I, I want you to know, uh, I, we were at camp this week, and I don't want to, uh, man, I want you to know camp was great this week. Camp was great. We had a great time. But at the end of the week, at the end of the week, they gave an invitation. And a preacher stood up there, and this is what he said. He says, any of you that want to be saved, repeat after me. And he said a prayer. And listen, I am sure, I am sure by the Holy Spirit power that some that repeated that prayer were saved. I, I, I'm sure of that. Okay, but I want you to know something. Salvation does not come when you believe with your mind and you confess with your lips. Just because you say a prayer with your lips, I don't want anyone to think that you could say something with your lips and you can have eternal life or something that you say with your mouth. Because the Bible tells us this. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, There's going to be many that stand before me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do these? Didn't I teach? Didn't I say your name? Didn't I pray? And he's going to say, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. But let me tell you, Jesus recognizes every single person that believes with their heart. We're justified by believing with our heart. When we believe that Jesus died on the cross, He died and He shed His blood for our sins, we believe that they took His dead body and they laid it in a tomb, and three days later He arose from the grave, victory over sin, death, and the grave, and we believe that with our whole heart, I want you to know the Bible says He changes us. The Bible uses the word quickened. We've been quickened in a moment. You've changed your direction. You went from being Satan's child to being God's child. You went from going to hell to going to heaven. And it happens in the moment, but it, it happens not with what we say with our lips, but what we say with our heart. Because I want you to know, when your heart's changed, you change. I had a problem when I was growing up. When I was about 18, 19 years old, I had a problem. I wanted to date a whole lot of girls. And I met Susie, and I really liked Susie a lot. There were still a couple of girls out there I wanted to, to date. I broke up with Susie two or three times. I told her the truth. That might have been one of my mistakes, but... I told her, I said, I said, Susie, I said, I want to date, I, I want to go over here and date Beverly, and I want to date Julie, and uh, and uh, when I broke up with her, I want you to know she wouldn't go steady with me ever again. I went, and I, after one weekend, I realized what I had lost. I said, hey, I said, Susie, here, would you take my ring and let's go steady again? And she said, no. And let me tell you what happened. My heart changed. I had eyes for no one else but Susie. Heart change. I didn't want to date anybody else. All I wanted was Susie. Hey, listen. When you recognize with your heart what Jesus Christ has done for you, your life changes. It is different. He says, Now your burdens are lifted and carried far away, and precious blood has washed away the stain. 
That second verse says, man, let me tell you, you ought to shout, sing to Jesus. Sing to Jesus because of what He has done for you. Man, He has changed my life. I am His. He is mine. Verse 3 of that little song says, Now like a newborn baby, don't be afraid to crawl. And remember, when you walk, sometimes you fall. You know what that's saying to us? I was listening to a message this morning on, on television. A man was talking about grace, the grace of God and the law. Let me tell you what happens. I wish I could control this flesh. The nature of sin will never, ever leave this flesh. We have a sinful nature that continues to try to control us. But I want you to know I have a spirit and a soul which Jesus Christ now lives in through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what He's saying. He said, listen, Christians, as we try to live a Christian life, we are still going to fail sometimes. Anybody else in here besides me do that? He says, listen, just like a brand new Christian, like a newborn baby, we start to crawl and we begin to walk. And when that little baby stands up for the very first time and then falls back to the ground, do you pick that baby up and spank him and says, don't you be falling ever again? No, we don't do that. Just like a brand new baby in Christ. We're trying to live our lives now for Christ and as we try to live our lives for Christ, understand that there's going to be times that we fall. In Romans chapter 7, Paul describes it like this. He says, the things that I want to do, man... I sometimes don't do them. And the very things that I don't want to do, the things that I know that displeases God, sometimes those are some of the very things that raise their head up. He said, O wretched man that I am, it is not me that's sinning. It's not my spirit or my soul that's sinning, but it's this old flesh that causes me to sin. Because our sin nature never leaves us. But let me tell you, Jesus Christ gives us victory over death. He gives us life and liberty in our soul and in our spirit forever and ever and ever. So help me, this song has kind of given us the example of what a Christian life is going to be. We should, listen to this, we should try with all of our effort to walk in Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has tried heart for the lost, and for the community, and for us to grow. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's what, I, I believe that's what's missing in a lot of churches and what he was saying this morning. Another example is in the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 10 and verse 1. I want to just read this scripture. It says, Now when Ezra had prayed... And when he had confessed, weeping, and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of the Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. Now, what was it? Why, why was all of this going on in chapter 10? Because let me tell you what happened in chapter 8. You've heard this before. Ezra stood up before the people and they built a wooden pulpit and Ezra stood on top of that pulpit and he began to read the word of the law to them. The word of the law... And in that day it was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
first five books of the Bible, they begin, he began to read to them what it was that God desired from the people. And when they heard the words of the, of the God, it broke their heart because they realized that they were not living up to what God desired for them to be. It broke their heart. And they said, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is what God wants and we're not doing it. It broke their heart. It broke their heart. And they came weeping before the Lord. Tears. We lose our jobs. Our kids get sick. We have spouses that die prematurely. Listen, we have children and grandchildren that die prematurely. My goodness, what are we to do as Christians? Shout hallelujah? No. Let me tell you what he tells us to do. Cry to Jesus. I started off and I read this scripture. He says, Come unto me, all you that are laboring heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest in your souls. Let me tell you, when life is hard, and life is hard, let me tell you what we can do. If you know the Lord Jesus, I mean, what tell me, you can cry to Jesus. You can cry. You can pour your heart out to the Lord Jesus Christ because I want you to know He knows exactly how you feel. What does the Bible say when John the Baptist, his friend, died? What did it say? Well, no, it's not John the Baptist. It wasn't John the Baptist. It was Lazarus. Lazarus, he came to the... And what did it say Jesus done? He wept. He wept. What did he say when Jesus came up on, uh, right before his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and he, he walked up over the mountain and he looked at Jerusalem and he saw like they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what did Jesus do? He wept. He cried unto the Lord. He cried unto his Father. Hey, listen. In our lives where we're saved, there's going to be days in our life that we need to cry unto Jesus. Cry unto Jesus. The next one is, listen, all of life is not filled with pain, sorrow, and suffering. It's not. Oh, and when the love spills over and music fills the night and when you can't contain your joy inside. I know we're Baptists. Dance to Jesus, dance to Jesus, dance to Jesus, and live. Little Miss Maddie Allen prayed for her grandson. I went to school with her grandson. Boy, he was a hoodlum. Stayed in the office all the time, got paddlings all the time, got expelled from school. He was 18 years old. And he finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, Miss Maddie Allen, she was 96 years old when, when Steve got saved. She, well, she's probably about this tall. But because she had, what is it, osteoporosis, she was about this tall. She had a big hump in her back. And let me tell you what, when Steve walked the aisle that night, she came off of that back row. And she lifted her hands and she done a little jig and she began to shout hallelujah. Praise the Lord. My grandson's been saved. And I want you to know she was dancing.
to Jesus because the love and the joy had spilled over. I want you to know there's a lot more joy that takes place in our lives than we ever shout about. But I want you to know when life gives us joy that overflows, man, we ought to let the world know and let Jesus know. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you for saving those who have been saved. Man, let me tell you, we need to dance to Jesus. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> now, I know Miss Flaudy's here this morning. When I read this last one, I thought about David. And with your final heartbeat, and we kiss the world goodbye. And go in peace and laugh on glory's side. We'll fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus, fly to Jesus and live. And I want you to know David Hahn's laughing and having a good time this morning. Amen. And it's because of his relationship that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ. What does it say? The Bible tells us it says. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Hey, I'm telling you, this is, this is not over here. I, I've got a scripture. I just love this scripture right here that tells us, it says, uh, uh, let me find it. Drops of blood. I mean, he was just sweating profusely and he's crying out to God and he says, God, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He prayed it three times. Listen, I'm not saying it's in the scripture, but I believe it, it caused him to weep. I believe he was at the point of weeping. Because he was in such agony. I don't believe he was weeping because he didn't want to go to the cross. But he was sure asking if there's any other way. Let this cup pass from me. But I want you to know he was willing. But he was in great agony, the scripture says. Tears. Tears are something that we need to consider in our life. I would ask you tonight to inventory your tears. There is a scripture in here that I did not I did not read and I wanted to make sure I brought this point out. There it is, Psalms 56 and 8. Do you think God can, God is concerned about our tears? Maybe this is something that you've never heard. Psalms 56 and 8. Thou tellest my wonderings. In other words, it's saying God knows everything you're going through. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. I want you to know God knows every single tear that you have shed for the purpose of God. The next statement says, Are they not in thy book? In other words... I want you to know God has a record of every tear that we have shed for every lost soul. 
God has a record and He keeps in a bottle all of those tears or keeps a record of all of those tears that we have shed because of our sinfulness and our brokenness towards Him. And, and, and we pray and we seek Him and say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. Set my feet back on the path. I want you to know He is fully aware of every single tear that you've ever cried. He's got a record of everything, every broken, contrite heart that we've had. This is what the Scripture says, and this is the reason that he says it. The Scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart. Was David a sinful man? Sure he was. David done things that no one in this room has ever done. I mean, he was a murderer. He... He, he, done, he done things that were ungodly. I, I, I mean, the reason that God didn't let him build the, the temple of God was because it says David was a man of blood. He was a warrior. But the scripture also tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. And it's because when David sinned against God and it was brought to his attention, David was ready and willing to turn and asked for forgiveness. He was ready and willing to repent, and he did so, and then he turned, and he went back, and he served the Lord. I love what it says in in Psalms chapter 51. He tells us right after he gets through saying that, that God, the sacrifice unto God is a broken and a contrite heart. He says, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. In other words, the salvation that you have given to me. And he says, and when you do that, I will go and tell all men of your righteousness. In other words, Lord, when you restore me, I want you to know I'm going to get right back on the path. I'm going to get right back to serving you. I'm going to do what you've asked and called me to do. That's what God's looking for in every single one of us. God recognizes the tears that we shed have to be connected to a heart that is pure and the shedding of our tears. I think I brought that point out. I believe it is time. I believe it is time that we need to recognize that God's looking for us to begin to shed tears for the lost in our community. And we need to seek that. One of the things that I think we can do this week I would pray and ask that you would consider this week as our kids are going to camp. Bartimaeus, he said, beckon him to come unto me. Here's a blind man. A blind man. And he says, I want you to tell him to come to me. Let me tell you. Oh, blind Bartimaeus needed someone to help him. And the Bible says, you read in another reference there, and it says... And they led him or they helped him to Jesus. He was blind. You know what? There's some people in here that need to help other people come to Jesus. Tell them about who Jesus is and what he's done for their life. How he can change their life. Come unto Jesus. The last scripture I want to reference is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Where Jesus sending this letter... To the churches, he says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come unto him and sup with him and he with me. 
This is a completely different sermon, but I think I need to say it this morning. You can't get saved on your own terms, nor can you get saved in your own timing. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit beckons us or calls us. It also tells us that it's not God's will that any should perish, but have, but that all should come to repentance and to salvation unto Christ. Hey, let me tell you, this morning, if you're hearing Jesus call you and you're hearing that invitation to come unto Jesus, you don't need to sit in your seat any longer. It's time to come to Jesus. It's time for you to believe with your heart what Jesus has done for you. Understand, just like it was saying in, in Romans 6.23, this is a gift. And for so many of us, that gift is laying right here before us. It's freely offered. But so many reject it. So many have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they reject it time and time and time again. I'm telling you this morning, this morning, Jesus says, Come unto me. Come unto me. He's calling for you to come. Let's stand together. Father's invitation's been given and and all through the scriptures we've read it and read it and read it where you call people to come unto you. Just like it tells us in Revelation as you sent the message or the letter to that church, you tell us that you are standing at the door and you're knocking and you're waiting. For us to come and answer the door. Your call of salvation in our lives. God, I just pray this morning that if there's anyone here that's not answered that door, answered that call, put their faith and trust in you, God, my prayer is they won't put it off another moment. Thank you so much for what you've done and what you're continuing to do in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name as we sing this invitation hymn together. You come if you.